Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. A part two of last week. How many was here, were here last week where we talked about the perspective of the rooted ones, right? And uh, where we talked about that the reason why people have perspective, and this is just a preview, is because they're rooted. Everybody say rooted. And it takes time for people in the Lord to be rooted because there's a difference between being planted and being rooted. Last week we talked about that there are some people who love God, but they're planted. They're not rooted. In other words, they, they just got saved. They're just coming back to the Lord, but they have not give, give, given history, longevity, time for people in their walk with God so that the roots could go strong. Because in order for you to have roots in a tree, it's got to be there for a while. And you can't develop roots at a, as a child of God when you're just walking with the Lord three months. Now, praise God, you're walking with the Lord for three months, but it takes time to be rooted. That's why the enemy seeks to knock people out as soon as they get saved. And as soon as they get the fire of God, why? Because there's hardly any root system in there. But when we get the right root system, this is all kind of preview, we will then have the right perspective. Everybody say perspective. When trials and tribulation comes, that's why last week we talked about Paul the Apostle being whipped, being uh, afraid, being naked, being shivering. Paul the Apostle, the one who wrote the, the, uh, a third of the New Testament, hungry and whipped, whipped, flogged, Right? So many times, but he said, that is my light affliction. Come on, say amen. Light affliction, but it's working in me a far more weight of glory. So I say that to to let you guys know this powerful truth. I don't think I've ever preached this before. The title of my message today is The Recompense of the Lord. (laughs) Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. The Recompense of the Lord, because... There is a season when the people of God suffer immensely through suffering, through pain, through affliction, that if we stay faithful in the midst of the suffering and we don't give up, we don't abandon our post, we don't leave our marriages, we don't leave our spouse, we don't leave our children, we don't leave the Lord. In the midst of suffering, how many know that that's the greatest temptation to, is to run when you suffer? is to leave when you suffer because no one likes to endure pain. So when we endure pain, our first inclination is, I want to get out of here. Or if serving the Lord has caused me pain, I'm just going to stop serving the Lord. But watch this. This is, this is the, the crux of my message this morning. This is just an intro. But what I'll tell you is this. There is a day coming in this lifetime, not just in the lifetime to come, That the Lord will recompense and reward his people for standing in the midst of the storm and still having praise in their heart and still having trust in their heart and still having loyalty in their heart. And listen, and still having a confession that God is still good. When we withstand the suffering, I saw something in Isaiah 61 that I've never seen. Now, what I'm about to say is not, I I don't like... um, charismatic cliches, right? Uh, Because, you know, but what I'm about to say is going to sound like a charismatic cliche. But I promise you, it's not a charismatic cliche. There is a promise of recompense that God is going to give people who stand double for their troubles. 
Again, that's the, that's the preachy part that you're gonna, you probably heard a million times before. But I read Isaiah 61, and Isaiah 61 is actually just my intro scripture. The main scripture is going to be in Samuel. So how many want to know how to recover everything that the enemy has tried to take this year or the past couple of years and receive the recompense and reward of the Lord for your suffering? How many, how many want to do that? Okay, let me just... Uh, do another question. How many have suffered in any way this year? In any way? Anyway, affliction, seeing your kids go through something, a loss of a loved one, financial problems. I just described all of mine. Okay, now watch this. How many of you have been suffering in your family a wound that's happened recently this year concerning your family? Raise your hand. But I know some of y'all need to raise your hand because I know your story, so come on. Are you ready for this? A recompense is coming from the Lord to you. That was, that was three people saying amen to me. I said there's a reward coming for those who have withstood the fire, and it's coming in a great wave of victory. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Look at Isaiah. Hallelujah. Look at Isaiah's chapter. Uh, actually, uh, look at the first point. The first point before we go to Isaiah. The first point. Read this with me. We are promised by the Lord that we will enter. Everybody say enter. Into a time of recompense for our suffering from the enemy. Now, I know that there is a balance to this statement. I know that, that there are seasons that we have to suffer. But just because we suffer doesn't mean that God is silent. I'm here to tell you, and I, boy, am I preaching to myself this morning. God hears you when you're suffering, even though he may not be, you not hear his words. He's still speaking. Listen, but especially, everybody say especially. The Lord will recompense those who have endured suffering and have stayed faithful to God in the midst of their trials. Do you know that the Bible says, look at me before we read Isaiah 61, that there's a season and a time for everything? Why do we always look at seasons as this is a bad season? Why can't we look at one of those seasons as a reward? If there's a valley season, why can't we joyfully accept the mountaintop season? Come on. If, if we're living in the valley, why can't we be expectant to go up to the mountain one more time? We live more in the valley than we do in the mountain. So when we do get those mountaintop experiences, enjoy them. And there is a recompense coming from the Lord because he sees your suffering. And God, through this message, I hope you have faith to believe that you're going to recover. Not 90%, not 95%. You're going to recover all. And I'm going to show you. And so the famous scripture in Isaiah, which we're going to read right now, I just felt like read it. And, and boy, when I started reading it, I go, I know this. I know this. I know this. But when I kept reading, I go, I never knew this was in Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 I broke it in two parts. The first four verses or so is what the Lord does for his people. And then the last five or six verses is what the healed people that got healed by the previous verses will do as a result of their receiving wholeness. Hello? Healed people, healed people. Hurt people, hurt people. Here's the promise, Isaiah 61. You've all heard it. Let's all turn there. Everybody say amen. You know why I'm preaching this, guys? Because you need hope. 
You need hope that there is something good about to happen. We get enough preachers of doom and gloom and hell and stuff. Something good is about to happen to those who are faithful. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Watch this. Okay, then don't believe me. Believe the word. Isaiah 61 verse 1. Here it goes. Everybody say, I'm there. The Spirit of the Lord. Of the, so this is in the NLT, by the way. I'm reading from the NLT, Chris's favorite version. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me. Now, who is he talking to? Uh, those are theologians. Who is he talking about here? A prophecy about Jesus, right? But it also applies to us. But the, the natural context is that as the prophet Isaiah is actually prophesying the future Messiah that God was going to anoint him, right? So watch this. The Lord has anointed me, the Lord, to bring good news to the poor. For he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Remember, this is Luke 4 when he, when he opened the scroll and he read Isaiah. This is what Jesus read. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives, that captives will be released from prison and will be free. That's spiritually speaking. He has sent me to tell those who mourn. Anybody mourning in here? That the time of the Lord's favor has come. My goodness. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give, listen, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyful blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. Look up before I go to the next verse, before I go to verse 7 and, and, and onward. What I just described is what the Lord promised to do to his people. In other words, this is the reason why the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, to heal the brokenhearted, just so then we get goosebumps. A lot of people are like, look, my hair's standing up. That's not just the purpose of the Holy Spirit for your hair to stand up. Maybe it's a confirmation that the Holy Spirit's trying to speak to you something. But let me tell you, the first couple of verses is what God is going to do to his people. I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. I'm going to comfort those who mourn. Yay! What happens when you get healed, though? What happens when you get comforted, though? Do you just stay in that place of comfort? This is what God says will happen to people that are renewed and restored. Are you ready for this? Look at verse 7. Keep going. In their righteousness. Now, wait a minute. Their righteousness. Now, it changes. Now, it's not talking about the Lord anymore. Now, it's talking about the people that God just finished restoring from mourning. Come on, somebody. You hear me? You hear me? In their righteousness, it's talking about us, they will be like great oaks, glory to God, that the Lord has planted for his own glory. RCC, put your name on here. They, RCC, will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities... Repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many years. Are you not listen? This is the part I like. This isn't Isaiah 61. I'm always just used to the, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon Jesus and the Lord has anointed him to preach good tithing to the poor. Look at what the promise are, is for those who've been suffering. Let me tell you, if you don't say amen, I'm going to say amen for you because I've been suffering. And the goal and the voice of suffering is quit, give up. Suffering has a voice. And it says, give up. It says, it's not worth it. Don't show up anymore. Look at all the praying you're doing. It's not working. Look at all the tithing you're doing. That, suffering has a voice. Look at all the confessions you're doing. It's not working. You look like a fool. I looked like a fool last night. Only some people got that. Ready? Look at this next verse. Are you ready? This is, this is the precursor to what I'm going to give you. You better receive it. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share. Double. 
Double. I'm not preaching little fancy stuff. Double share of honor. He's talking to God's people. You, God's people, will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land. And everlasting joy, how many people need joy, will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully, come on somebody, reward my people, uh uh-oh, for their suffering. Oh, this is a good place to say amen. Listen, no, 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 no. Listen to me. Some of you are talking. You're not listening. Look at, I will faithfully reward my people for what? I will faithfully, let's read that. One, two, three. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering. And that's Old Testament. Listen, for their suffering. And make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize. Are you ready for this? Everyone will realize that you are people that the Lord has blessed. Oh, man. You know why that's so significant? It's because when you finally get healing... All the people that were in your circle that you never, they never thought that you were a Christian because you acted just like them. You were sorry just like them. You were down just like them. Here you're a Christian. They're not. And you come to work. They come to work. Nobody knows the troubles I've been. And you come to work. Nobody knows my sorrow. You would finish your sentence. And no one would know the difference. But the Bible says everyone will know that they are a people blessed by the Lord. You know how they will know? By the previous verses, you have double honor. You have joy for your suffering. Wait, if you remain faithful during the shaking season, there's a recompense coming. Come on, everybody say there's a recompense coming for your suffering if you stay standing. Now, I looked up the word recompense. Oh, you're going to love this. You're going to slap your neighbor. Webster's Dictionary. It's not even Greek or Hebrew. Webster's Dictionary defines recompense. Are you ready? Look at on the screen. Recompense, you could take a picture of it, or it may be in your app in your notes. To give something to someone by way of compensation. Watch this now. For damages that occurred. Whew, my God. It's not just I'll give you free, free stuff. Recompense is not, I feel like giving you something. No, recompense is, I'm going to give you something for the damages that you suffered. This is Webster. Thank you for being a spirit-led Webster dictionary. Watch this. Way of payment that occurred for damages that were inflicted on someone. Mm. A payment or payback to someone for a loss or injury they suffered from the actions of another person. Payback. I believe that we have to have a mentality that we can't get kicked around forever. There is a time that God will put us through the fire. But here's what the word of the Lord for you. Some of you have got your identity by suffering and you've, you've stayed in the dirt instead of rising up. And you've adopted an, a, an identity of suffering that is not healthy. Oh, well, these are the cars that just God gave me. I just got to, pr- I just, I just, this is the word it is. I guess I just got to remain faithful. Yes, you got to remain faithful, but that is not your identity. The Lord promises that there will be a season. This is hope for you, that if you stay standing, he will recompense his people. 
because there's nothing worse than a, a jealousy of a, a fire of a jealous husband. There's nothing worse than the fury of a jealous husband. We are his bride. And there will come a recompense. Let me tell you something. I used to hate, and I know this sounds cliche again, when I'm going through my stuff, you know, I just want to get out of my stuff. But you know what? <laughs> There's a lot of times people say, oh, you, you must get, you're going to get a big breakthrough. I'm like, yeah, but I want it right now. And so the recompense of the Lord is I'm going to show you five or six steps of what David did. Now, th- all this was just intro. Because I never saw this in Isaiah. Isaiah promised that the Spirit of the Lord is going to come on on Jesus. He's going to heal his people. But then when we get healed, we're going to get double for our honor. Watch this now. But then I'm going to give you some keys of how to recover everything. Because one of the rewards, and I'm getting ahead of myself, of recompense. Please hear me. If you don't hear anything else, one of the rewards that's in Scripture that God promises to his people as a recompense or, watch this, payback from injury from the devil, right, is restoration of everything that was lost. Family that was lost, finances that was lost, relationships that were lost, faith that was lost, fire that was lost, joy that was lost. I want you to hear me now because you guys, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen today. I'm looking at you because some of you guys are like... There, there is a reward coming. Let me just put it this way in your language. Your prayers that you seem God has been silent on, he may answer it in a way that you have never dreamed of. And it may not be the same way that you're asking for, but if you stay standing, I promise you that something good is about to happen. Watch this. I'm going to show you some powerful story of a scripture. And, and surprisingly enough, I've never actually preached on this actual topic. And it's about David. Some of you are going to get shocked because you know the story. What, how he responded when he came to such devastation in his life. So much devastation that it was out of the ordinary. But I'm going to give you steps of what David did when he and his family and his comrades lost everything at Ziklag. I'm going to tell you how he responded. Because none of us, I promise you today, I'm not prophesying, but I promise you, the story I'm about to read, none of you have ever gone through this. None of us. None of us has ever gone through the story I'm about to tell you. And then I'm going to show you four, five, or five steps of what David did. Watch this. Listen to me. To recover all from the enemy. How many want to recover all? That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay. The rest of you want to recover 75%. Praise the Lord. You'll get there one day. You know why I'm saying this? Because sometimes we just got to get mad at the devil. Sometimes we just, we're, please, please hear me. This is not on my notes. Christians are a bunch of wimps and sissies sometimes. We give up so easy. Oh, the devil is by hitting us. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You have the spirit of God in you. You have angels assigned to you. You have the blood of Jesus on you. You, you have the power of God on you. You, listen, you are a son and a daughter of God. First Samuel chapter 30. Now, this is going to be a long read, so we're going to be a family. We're going to read like Speedy Gonzalez, okay? But I want you to see, I'm reading the whole verses. There's going to be 19 or so verses. 
only so you could get context because I got to give you context. You're going to leave out of this place, I, I promise you, you're going to be remember this story for the rest of your life. You're going to remember what, what happened to David because in this story, you're going to see great suffering. Everybody say great suffering. Then you're also going to see, you're also going to see, listen to me. Don't worry about the baby. Look at me. You're always going to see how David responded to suffering. Because how many know that you could respond to suffering in a negative way? Let me give you a newsflash. Not every Christian that suffers will be able to reap the reward. It's determined of how you respond to suffering. Are you ready? It's David. I'm going to show you the incredible things that David suffered. And I, I, feel, I feel the Holy Spirit saying this to some of you. In your family, you're currently suffering. You're currently suffering. How you respond to that suffering will determine the recompense of the Lord. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you getting something so far? Now watch this. Verse 1. Let's read it together. It's going to be the New King James. If you have your Bibles, open it. If you have it in your, uh, uh, in your tablet. If not, look it on the screen, okay? I'm going to read a little fast, but I want you to not get distracted because this is the crux of the whole message, this story right here. I want you to put yourself in this story. Are you ready? Amen. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. Everybody say Ziklag. On the third day, and the Amalekites, which, by the way, were a chief enemy, chief enemy of the Israelites, they had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken captive all the women and those who were there from far to small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and they went their way. They took them as slaves. So then David and his men came to the city. By the way, they were in a war and they had kind of won the war. And there it was as they came to the city burned with fire. Imagine this. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had taken cap- been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices, watch this, and wept until they had no more power to weep. Look at me for a second. Have you ever been wounded so bad by a family situation or a, a, a situation with a, a relational person or with a job that you cried until you couldn't cry no more? I'm not talking about weeping and actually weeping. I'm talking about weeping until there was no more tears because you were so broken, so devastated. And by the way, it wasn't just David. It was burly men with chests in their hairs, warriors that began to weep. And David's two wives, Hanoniam and Jezreelitis and Abigail, the widow of Nabal and the Carmelite, had been taken captives. The wives taken captives. Spouse. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people. By the way, these people were not his enemies. They were his, his friends, his fighters. They all turned on David because now they realized, watch this, because we follow David, all this stuff has happened to our family too. It's not just David's family that got burned. It was everybody else's family that went out to battle, and they took their wives. Imagine all of you guys come up to me, and we do battle in the Old Testament. And as we come back, all of your spouses and your children are taken captive, and I'm your leader because I told you to let's go over this way. And we were, well, while we were out in another city, everything that we own is burned, all the clothes, all the finances, all the savings, 
your kids are captured, your, your, your sisters, your brother are captured, your husband is captured, your wife is captured. And now you're looking at me and say, we're going to kill you. Watch this here. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his son and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, uh, please bring me an ephod here. Uh, and and Abiathar uh, the priest brought him an ephod to David. Now watch this. David inquired of the Lord. Everybody say David inquired of the Lord. And he asked the Lord. Now, you have to understand the, the temperament of David. David was angry. He was weeping. He was mad. But yet he had enough sense to say, I'm not going to attack the enemy in my flesh. I'm not going to make a decision. Oh, you're not hearing me. I'm not going to make a decision right now because I am beyond on distress, beyond angry, and beyond hurting. I need to inquire of the Lord to see what I'm going to do about this situation concerning the enemy. Concerning the enemy. Hallelujah. He inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue the troop? Deep down inside, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I believe David was saying, please say yes, Lord. <laughs> shall, I, shall I overtake them? And watch this now. I want you to hear this. And the Lord answered, pursue them, for you shall surely overtake them. Come on, somebody. Look at this next sentence. And you will without fail recover all. Now, this is before anything happened. Something, there's a little foreshadow. Something came into David's spirit in the midst of suffering because he sought the Lord in the midst of his suffering. So David went, real quick. And he went to 600 men who were with him and, 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 uh, in the brook. And then there was this Egyptian. So I, I'm, I'm going to skip because of time. And we're going to go down to one of the last verses. Okay. Uh, go down to, I don't know what the verse is. I don't have it here. Where it says, and when he had brought him down. I think that was verse 17 or something like that. 16. Okay. Put verse 16 up there. Now, I'm going to fast forward. What happened is they went all, all the way down. The Lord says, you could go and pursue them. For lack of time, they found an Egyptian. Now, listen to this story. This is actually in the Bible. They found an Egyptian just kind of, kind of by himself. And David, on his way to the enemy's camp, he finds this Egyptian and said, hey, what are you doing? Who do you belong to? Now, and this Egyptian had no idea what David and his men were about to do. All right? And so this Egyptian, you can read it later, told David, well, uh, I, I'm a slave from the Amalekites, the ones that they were going to pursue. And these Amalekites, they left me out because I have a sickness and they don't need me anymore. But I'll tell you what we just did, though. <laughs> we went to this town called Ziklag and we burned it. <laughs> he's talking, he's talking, and David's like, uh-uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Really? Oh, really? Ziklag? You, you, you burned Ziklag? Oh, yeah, okay. What else happened? Yeah, we burned them, then we left, and, and they're, they're, they're over there. And David goes, um, show me where they're at. And he goes, I'll show you where they're at if you promise to not kill me. <laughs> That's what he said, when you overtake them, right? He goes, don't worry. Now watch this. This is key. I'm giving you, isn't it amazing that God used uh, the enemy to reveal the enemy's plan? During the midst of the suffering, now watch this, guys. This is going to bring you hope. This is where we're going to land today. And when this Egyptian man had brought David down, watch this. You've got to visualize this, church. Imagine the enemy 
in your life right now. There they were, the enemy, spread out over all the land. Watch this, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoil, Lord, which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. So these guys were renegades. They didn't care who they got. They were going to get Judah and the Philistines. They didn't care. They were like the modern-day Hitler and, and German in that, in, that, in that time. They wanted to conquer everything. So the enemy was going, <laughs> look what we did to David. We knocked him out. It was a great blow to a man of God, and they were rejoicing. The enemy was dancing. Let me pause and say this. Whenever there's a great blow by the enemy to a man or woman of God, the enemy starts dancing and rejoicing because they know that they've hit you hard. Right? And the enemy was just dancing, and they were just uh, spoiling. Put that verse back up. Watch this. And, and verse 16, and there he goes. Because of the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistine and from the land of Judah. Now look at verse 17, 18, 19, and 20. Look at this. Then, now, now pause. David stared a little bit because of what he was seeing. He was seeing them dancing. That's significant. David attacked them from twilight all the way into the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except 400 men who went and rode on camels and fled. Watch this, guys. I promise. You need to hang with me. So David, everybody say this with me, recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. Back then, you were allowed to do that. So don't be getting any tricky ideas. <laughs> They're like, it says it in the Bible, Pastor George. No, that was, they had concubines back then in that culture. Watch this. And nothing of theirs was lacking. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. Nothing of RCC was lacking. Ne neither small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Someone say amen. Now, why did I read all this story? Because I needed to give you a, a context. Now, here's where I'm going to dive deep, and I need you not to fall asleep. If your neighbor's falling asleep or talking, just go like this to them, and so they can pay attention, okay? So watch this. Ziklag, I'm going to give you a little background, was a city in existence about 10, uh, 10 12 B.C. David was about 29 years old when this happened. If you knew the Bible and you read a little historical view, David entered the fullness of his calling when he was 30. Sounds similar to somebody we know? Jesus, son of David? That's why it's such a parallel. Jesus started his ministry at 30. He was 29, right before, the year before he inherited all of Israel as king. There was this place called Ziklag. And he had about 600 men at that time that were gathered to him. Watch this now. And they were gathered to him, and they were all dejected. I'm giving you a, a background. They were all messed up. This is our language. They call it distress in the Bible. They call it no, what nobody wanted. You know, like the church people, the people that, that no church wants, that's what David said. I, I'll get them. All the people that didn't tithe, all the people that were just emotionally messed up, they had anger issues, they had mother issues, they had father issues. David goes, I'll take them. I'll take you, I'll take you. No, it's significant because those are the same people that wanted to kill him. I'll take you, I'll, I'll make you into, into winners. Just, just come, 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 come. Our ministry will help you. Our ministry will heal you, right? So, so I just want to give you a context that, that Ziklag was a place in these people that, he, that they would eventually become mighty men. Now watch this now, watch this. 
Ziklag was the in-between city for David. It was not his resting place. Ziklag, he was only there for about a year and five months. Because at that time, he was trying to run away from Saul, and he actually tried to join the Philistine army. The same army that he killed uh, Goliath, he was trying to make a pact with them because he didn't know what to do. He was so desperate. Finally, the Philistines goes, we don't want this guy in our army. He's going to kill us eventually. He already killed some of our giants. We don't want him here, right? So they said, no, you, you can't come. So David went out to battle, watch this, doing the, the work of the Lord. I want to pause and say he was not in rebellion to the work of the Lord. This is a foreshadow. Ziklag represents the season of our lives when pain and suffering exist, and it represents a season that we can never shortcut. Ziklag was not Jerusalem, which is the, the end place of destiny, nor was it Bethlehem, the beginning. Ziklag was the middle place. Now watch this. Look at this next slide. Somewhere in between your prophecy and your destiny is your Ziklag. Every one of us will have Ziklag moments in our lives. And it may not be the severity of your whole uh, neighborhood being on fire, but it's going to be a fiery season of trial and testing. And testing to see how you respond. It's a shaping of your calling. Ziklag shaped the final thing that David needed to inherit the kingship because of his great suffering. You realize that there's a purpose for your suffering? There's a purpose for your pain. Listen to what I'm about to say. In this particular story, David and all his men lost everything. What will you do during your Ziklag moment? I'm going to give you about five points of what David did. Now, hear me, please. These are very practical, and they're simple, but we got to get back to doing things. Hear me. This is, if you don't get this, you're going to miss the whole thing. David didn't recover all just because God told him. David recovered all because there were steps that David took and his posture of his heart to be able to be in a position to recover all. How many know that if you receive a prophetic word from the Lord, it needs your cooperation to fulfill it? Don't, don't, don't ever think that if you get a prophetic word from the Lord that it's just going to be automatic. You know, if someone says, oh, you're going to have, uh, you're not going to be barren anymore. <laughs> I'm not trying to be graphic here. You're not going to be barren anymore. You're going to have kids. Well, you're going to have to have intimacy. Not trying to be graphic, right? If someone says, you're going to be a great author. Well, you're going to have to spend time disciplining yourself for hours to write. I've gotten prophecies that I would write several books, and I just don't like writing, but I have to discipline myself. If that prophecy is ever going to come to pass, I can't do it just because of the prophecy. So it needs your cooperation. So God says, I'm gonna re- you're going to recover all, but there's things that you have to do to posture your heart to recover all. How many want to know those things? Here, here's, here's the first thing. Look at the first slide. Here are some key things David had to process. Everybody say process. And act upon in order to eventually recover all that the enemy took from him. Now, the first one is going to seem non-spiritual, but I trust me, it's so effective. Are you ready for this? It's going to be non-spiritual, but it's very spiritual. The first thing that David did is that David grieved properly. Look at this. I guarantee you there's people in this room that you have not grieved properly for something. The Bible says that David wept. 
He is a strong man, and all of his people, all of his warriors, they wept to the point where they had no more power to weep. They had no more power to grieve. Let me tell you something. If you shortcut the grieving process, you'll shortcut your healing process. You have to learn how to grieve properly during times of suffering. This is the message today. The people that are going to recover all are those who've been suffering and standing faithful. But here's the thing. When you and I are suffering, we sometimes don't say anything to anyone or we try to be the strong one in our family and we shut everything in. Listen, I'm going to give you a newsflash. That is not a sign of strength. Especially I'm talking to the men right now. Don't Withhold your tears during season of suffering just because you want to be strong for your family. Yes, be strong for your family, but make sure you grieve. Make sure you weep. Make sure you say, God, this hurts. Do you know that God has given us the ability to weep so that we could process pain and eventually get healed? That's a slide. That's a point up there. Do you know that God has given us the ability? Everybody say, God. The Lord has given me, say, the ability to weep. Before you read that thing, have you ever wondered why you have tear ducts? Do you think the devil gave that to you? Why do you have tear ducts? Why did God create us so that tears could come out of our eyes? Ooh, I feel the Lord. When pain is coming. Because without us knowing it, he's actually given us tools that he made to release pressure and to release things so that it could set us up for healing. Weeping, listen, put that slide up there, gave us the ability to weep so that we could eventually, watch this, everybody say process pain. And suffering adequately and in turn paved the way for healing to come. Our faith does not discount our feelings. In other words, just because you're a man or woman of God does not discount the way we feel sometimes. We have to embrace it. Now, we can't be led by them, but we need to embrace them all in the name of being strong. You and I have got to get, let me just say this, some of it without us knowing it's pride. We've got to learn how to let go, and we need to know how to grieve properly. Now, I'm just using weeping because weeping is usually a synonym for grieving. But some of you don't have to have real tears. But here's what you do need to do. You need to go to a quiet place and you need to grieve that thing out. Maybe it's a loss of a pet. And you may think that's insignificant. Maybe it's a loss of a job, which is called bereavement. When you're bereaving, you've lost something like a job. And you're hurting. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. If you don't grieve properly, you will, watch this, you will bleed on people that never cut you. If you don't grieve properly, then you're going to start grieving on people in a negative way that never hurt you. So you know what the first thing that David did to recover all? He grieved the loss of all. Imagine you're coming back from a journey or from a, from a church service. And from a distance, you see a pile of smoke all throughout your city and your neighborhood. And you look at all of your possessions are burned, gone. Your car is gone. Your house is gone. Your family is gone. Listen, listen. In the Bible, many of the greatest people in the Bible wept. Listen, listen to me. Listen, process. 
Abraham wept in the tomb of Sarah. When Sarah was buried, the Bible says Abraham, this great mighty man, Abraham wept. The Bible says Hezekiah wept bitterly when the prophet Isaiah said, put your house in order for you're going to die. Can you imagine that? Imagine someone knocking on your door. The prophet of the Lord says, it's time to put your house in order. You're going to die. But you know what Hezekiah, a man of God, by the way, did? He turned and he wept. And because he wept, the Lord saw that morning and told Isaiah, as Isaiah's walking out, he already gave the word, Isaiah's walking out, and God goes, go back. Uh-huh. He goes, tell him I added 15 years to his life. The book of Isaiah says it. God saw his weeping. Come on, say weeping. Come on. And, and, and Hezekiah, then Paul the apostle says, I serve the Lord with tears. And, of course, even Jesus wept. Now, a lot of people like to spiritualize that and say, well, he wept because, you know, he found nobody. I heard Peter say that. He found nobody that had faith because he's the resurrection of the life. I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that he cried real tears. I do know that when Lazarus died, he wept. Now, watch this. The Scripture declares that God is moved with our tears. So much so that he keeps every one of them in a bottle. Come on, somebody. He is so concerned with even your weeping that the Bible says he captures all of them in a bottle, and one day he will wipe every tear from your eye. He stores them in a bottle. But I have good news for you, church. Weeping may come in for a season, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. What was sown in tears shall be reaped in joy. The first thing that David and his men did is he grieved properly. Before I go to the next point, are you grieving properly of a loss of something? Maybe it's a church. I know the people here, and and I've known them for a long time, that they've grieved a loss of a church. And I've I've actually, we actually have a couple families here, more than one, that at least three or four different churches I won't say your name, but you hear three or four different churches in the last two years closed down suddenly. And it got brought great pain and hurt to those people. And somehow they just came here. The Lord came here. But when they came here, they were severely broken. Why? Because they got hurt by a church. So if you don't grieve that thing, the current church that you're in, you'll never receive properly from that church. And so they had to grieve a loss of something. Have you lost something and you're just trying to be strong? Weep it out. Men, especially men, grieve properly. Make sure you grieve. When my father passed away, and thank God many of you wanted to talk to me, it wasn't because I was trying to be rude. Is The way that I grieve is I grieve by myself for about three or four days. And I go somewhere and I just cry it out. And some people say, maybe that's a sign of weakness. No, it's not. It's a sign of healing. I'm trying to get healed. You know why? Because I want to be able to talk about my dad without having the the, the bitterness and pain that comes with the loss of someone. Come on, say amen. In order to recover all, you got to grieve properly what you've lost. Remember, we're talking about recovering all. What that means is you got to be obedient also into areas where God is pricking your heart of some of the losses so that you could get things right. Come on, say amen. Here's the second thing. Here's a second point to recover all, what David did in Ziklag. Put that next point up. David refused to get bitter in the midst of great suffering and tragedy. Preach, Pastor George. I'm trying, but it's a hard crowd today, Lord. I need something, Lord. They need cafecito or something today. 
Everybody say, David refused to get bitter in the midst of great suffering and tragedy. Oh, man, I'm going to take the, I'm going to, I want to be very transparent. <laughs> Some of the hardest challenges that I've had to face in my life is avoiding bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness in the midst of my suffering. How many know that that's probably one of the most default things you could do when you suffer is, you know what? I feel wronged. I feel unfair. This is not right. And we get bitter with people and we get bitter with God. But David experienced not just the loss of a loved one, church, the loss of everyone's possessions, his own possession, and his own wives taken as captive. Only in his mind he's saying, what are they doing to my wife right now? What are they doing to my kids right now? What is the enemy doing? I can't get them back. They're gone. He refused to get bitter. The Bible warns us, and you know, if you're a new Christian, I'll tell you, the the great dangers that happen when we hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness. Some of my family is here, and they know. I have been very intentional to try to make wrong things right because I don't want any room for unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart. Why? Because the Bible says if you don't forgive, your Father in heaven won't forgive you. I don't want that. Not only will we not be forgiven, what happens to our mind, our emotions, and our heart when we hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness and, bitter, and, and, and anger will actually destroy our physical heart, not just our spiritual heart. They did autopsies on people that one time, and I, I read a documentary that this one person, this one doctor, he was a Christian doctor, he did autopsies, and he would see all these kinds of things as a Christian surgeon, and he would be able to diagnose if, uh, how they kind of had their life in their, when they were living. And one time they operated on somebody, and they did uh, the autopsy, and, and the Christian doctor, surgeon, told one of the close family members that they knew, by any chance that this person over here, did he have struggle with anger and bitterness? He goes, oh, this person, he held on. He never, he never forgave certain things that happened. He was very bitter. And the guy goes, why do you say that? How do you know that? He goes, because when we did the autopsy, we found some of his organs were shriveled up. He goes, and that's a sign of some sort of trauma in the body. And he said, we found no toxins in there. So maybe there's something that caused his organs to. Unforgiveness can affect your physical body. Bitterness can affect your anxiety. Don't tell me you have peace of mind and you have bitterness. It just doesn't exist. If you say you have joy, you can't have bitterness. Because if you have bitterness and unforgiveness, here's what escapes you. Peace and joy. Amen. Thank you, Miss Linda, for that. Amen. On top of that, my watch this though. This is key. This is key. He didn't get bitter even when, watch this, not just because when, his, when, when God allowed. Please hear me this. This is key. God did not stop the Amalekites from bombarding David's possessions. Whoa. Whoa. Wait a minute. David was fighting the Lord's battle. Why didn't the Lord stop it? Why didn't the Lord send an angel or warn David? God did none of that, yet he was doing the Lord's bidding. God did not stop it. He, quote, unquote, allowed the city and his house to be devastated. Watch this. Not only could he have gotten bitter at God, he could have got bitter at all his, all his comrades. He could have been like, guys, when you were nobodies, I took you in. 
I took you in. And I discipled you. And I poured into you. And nobody wanted you. But I wanted you. Now you want to kill me? Now you all turning against me? Oh, it's on. David could have done that. He could have, he, you know, he, he didn't have no earrings, but he could have done some chancletas or something. He could have been, oh, really? I'm going to take my robe off and chancleta off. No, no, no. You know what he did? You know what he did? He goes, that's fine. That's fine. I understand you're hurting. But just know that it wasn't my fault. And just know God is going to get us back at this. I want you to realize that there's a recompense coming for those who are suffering. Come on. Everybody say amen. Everybody say amen. How do you turn bitterness into sweetness? Look at what Proverbs says in in 15 verse 4 in the TPT. I'm trying to go quickly, so give me a couple more minutes here, okay? You getting something? Proverbs 15 verse 4 in in the Passion Translation. Are you ready to read it? It's up there. The Passion Translation. When you speak healing words... You offer others fruit from the tree of life. But unhealthy negative words do nothing but crush their hopes. Our tree is our words. Hello? Speak words of life during season of suffering. Because your words have a great deal to do of the season that you're in. When you speak, it's a reflection of sometimes your suffering or the season of your perspective. David refused to get bitter in the midst of great suffering. How many are suffering in family issues right now? Here's a warning. The enemy is going to try to get you to be convinced, to be mad at God, to be, to be bitter at God, and God to say God doesn't answer your prayers. Now, I will admit there has been many times that God has been very silent in my life. But I have to realize that my confession has to remain the same. If I could be honest, or else I'll lose my mind or lose my faith. Now watch this. This is really going to get good. Worship team, not yet, but real soon. You know what the fourth thing, David, is? Is it third or fourth? Third. You know the third thing David did? Put that up there. David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord. Come on, somebody. You want to talk about recovering awe. He wept properly. He didn't get bitter during suffering. And listen to this. This is actually funny, yet powerful. David encouraged himself in the Lord when nobody was there to encourage him. Look at me. Sometimes the biggest lesson we got to learn when we are suffering is that sometimes when we're suffering, no one will be there for you. There will be a season and a time. It may not be on purpose, but there's going to be a season and time when you're suffering that you can't wait to someone to encourage you. Because a lot of Christians, well, nobody called me. Nobody called me when I was suffering. No one visited me. No one did this. And I know that hurts. But let me tell you something. David looked around and he said, there's no podcast that, that I can listen to. There's no preacher that's preaching to me right now. There's nobody that is encouraging me. My men want to kill me. My wives are gone. My children are gone. He looked around and he Say, and he said, no one's there to lay hands on me. I guess I got to lay hands on myself. Be encouraged, David. It is time for you to rise up. You are more than a conqueror. God still loves me. God still is with me. God still accepts me. Could you imagine? He may have, must have felt like a failure. I probably would have. Look at what I have done. He says, I'm going to encourage. Now watch this, guys. This is key. Why was David able to encourage himself when no one was able to encourage himself? Last week's message. Because he had a root system. 
He had a root system. Church, the root system was he started quoting scriptures to himself for himself. So the source was, the source of the preacher preaching encouragement was him, and the, the source to receive it was him. He was preaching the, listen, when you read the Psalms, you think David is smack crazy. Hope, hope in the Lord, O my soul, why are thou depressed? He's talking to his soul. Why? Why? Because in the midst of suffering, hear me now, you've got to learn how to encourage yourself. Because there will be many times where no one's there to encourage you, and you've got to start. How do you encourage yourself? Prophesy over yourself. Speak the word over yourself. Now, if you lay hands on yourself and you fall in the power, I've never heard that before. <laughs> Lord, in the name. Oh. <laughs> Listen. In order for us to encourage. Now, watch this, guys. Look at this. Look at this. Are you getting something? Some of you guys didn't drink coffee. I could tell. You guys are sleeping on me. I look at to my right. Some people are sleeping. Look at my left. Some people are sleeping. Wake up. In order for us to encourage and strengthen ourselves in the Lord means that we can't go by what we're feeling in the moment. You want to know a key to encouraging yourself? Don't go by how you feel in that moment. Do you think David felt goosebumps of the presence of the Lord when everyone was trying to kill him and and his house is on fire, whole city? Do you think it was like, man, now is the time. No, wait, no, no, wait, wait. I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to come on me. I'm waiting for a feeling. I know it. I know it. I know it. He's, they're like, I hate you. I'm going to kill you. You're an idiot. Oh, my God. My wife. I thought, no, I'm just waiting for the presence of God to come. No, he felt zero, zero feelings. Here's a lesson. If you're going to encourage yourself in the, in the Lord, you can't go by how you feel at the moment. You can't go by how you feel in the moment. You've got to learn how to encourage yourself. Again, a little transparency without getting into detail. Recently, my wife said, texted me. She said, babe, I, I don't know what to do. We're praying, and, and God is not answering. So all this stuff has happened. There's a whirlwind of storms coming to our family. And you know what, what I said? I said, I don't know what to do either. But I, I do I tell you that we got sweet victory. Nobody could take it from me. Come on now. You know what I said last week? That was the truth. I had to have a song in the Lord. Listen, some of you guys, your root system is going to be tested. You know why? Because in your time of suffering, you better, listen, it's a reservoir. You got to go deep because no one's going to be there to encourage you. You got you to gotta pull up that old song, that old hymn, that old scripture, whatever it is, to bring encouragement to you. But if you don't have a root system, you will fall quickly when suffering is happening. Here's the word of the Lord for you. Stop waiting for the pastor to encourage you, for leadership to encourage you, to somebody to encourage you. When you're going, get the word out and let the word encourage you. Start pacing back and forth and says, he leaves me beside still waters. That means me. He leaves me beside still waters. Encourage yourself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. My God, do we ha- will we have churches that are on fire if that happened today? You would make my job a lot easier. That doesn't mean you don't need encouragement for others. Please don't get it twisted. But it means that you can't be dependent on others to release the joy that you need. If you stay in the suffering without changing, it means that you're not tapping into your root system. 
David encouraged himself in the Lord. Watch this. You're going to love this. I never preached this, this one little verse. As I was studying this, I actually realized that the Apostle Paul actually said something else about encouraging himself in the New Testament. Do you know that the Apostle Paul, and we're going to read it, when he's talking to King Agrippa, you know what he said? He goes, I think myself happy. <laughs> he goes, King Agrippa, I think myself happy because I have opportunity to talk to you by myself. And no one was there to defend Paul. He had no lawyers. He had nobody to represent him. Look at, look at what Acts chapter 26 says. Oh, this is good. Worship team, I'm going to have you come up there pretty soon, please. Watch this, verse 1. Now, King Agrippa, he was talking. Everybody there, say amen. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak to yourself, for yourself, sorry. So Paul stretched his hand out and answered for himself. Do you see the himself? No one was there. Like he's looking around. No, no lawyer, no friends, by himself. Now watch what he says. And he answered for himself, I think myself happy. King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things which I am accused of by the Jews. In other words, I'm going to make sure I answer the word of the Lord for you in my time of distress without waiting for anybody to tell me what to say. Mothers, listen, moms, dads, if there's strife in your family, first encourage yourself then you can encourage others. Those who are battling depression, learn how to encourage yourself through the confession of your mouth. Please hear me now, though. Hear me now. Your encouraging has nothing to do with the circumstances of your life because you say, well, I'm not going to encourage myself. I've prayed for this and i prayed for that, and things got worse. Why is it important to think yourself happy? Why? Just It's not a self-help book, right? Paul didn't learn this in a self-help program. He didn't say, self, get better, right? You know why he knew the secret of encouraging himself? Not only because he knew the story of David, but the Bible says how one man thinks in his heart, so he is. How one man thinks in his heart. In other words, if you think yourself that you're going to be victorious, God is going to give you the faith to get that victory. Come on, say amen. The best way we can encourage and strengthen ourselves is to focus on all the good that God has done for you in the past and how powerful he is. Two more things. The next thing that David did to recover all, remember he's on a journey. He wept properly. He refused to get bitter, right? He refused to get bitter, right? Is that, am I right? Okay. He spoke the right things. He encouraged himself. Look at this next one. David inquired of the Lord, and he got a word from the Lord. In other words, he did not go by his flesh in order to get victory. He did not allow his current suffering to dictate how he acted. Sometimes when we're suffering, if we're honest, we act like fools. Amen? We act contrary to the word of the Lord. But David says, shall you be with me? Here's the thing. What does that speak of? Is inviting the person Holy Spirit to be with you in the midst of your battles. Not, listen, my own strength is going to do it. When he encouraged himself, the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. So that means he pulled scriptures out. He pulled songs out. 
But then David said, what do I do? I need your help. Pause for a moment. Start inviting the person of the Holy Spirit to start helping you in the midst of your suffering. Start saying, Lord, why is this happening to me? What are you trying to teach me? Secondly, Lord, what do you want me to do about this situation? That's what he said. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to stay here? Is this a lesson you're trying to teach me, humility? Or what do you need to do? Now watch this. He got a word of the Lord. He says, you're going to recover all. So right then and there, this is my imagination. It doesn't say this in the Bible. When the Lord says, oh, David, you're going to recover all. He had an internal victory before he had, he saw the external victory. In other words, he said, I have victory inside of me because the Lord gave me a prophetic word that I'm going to recover all. So I'm going with a word in my spirit. Come on. I'm not going just dry on myself. I've inquired of the Lord, and now I have a word in my spirit that when I begin to recover all, I know the Lord spoke to me. Guys, before Peter walked on water, it wasn't his faith that sustained him. Prior, contrary to a lot of preachers preaching it, it was not only his faith that made him walk on water. No, it wasn't him even keeping his eyes on Jesus. I know that's what we think because the Bible says he had to keep his eye on Jesus. Do you know what made Peter walk on water? The voice of the Lord backing him up. He had a word. You say, where? Because Peter goes, if this is you, he saw what he thought was a ghost. It was walking on water. It was Jesus during the middle of a storm. And Peter goes, watch this. If this is you, bid me could have come out. Come on, church. Rooted, I need some help because they ain't saying amen. If this is you, in other words, Peter was saying, look, Lord, sometimes I put my foot in my mouth. I realize that. I told you I was going to be with you, and I'm not going to deny you. And you told me I was going to deny you, and I still denied you. I realize I put my foot in my mouth. I know there were some times, Lord, that I said, uh, can I bring fire down? That's what Peter said. Peter, Peter was so gangster that he says, you want us to, they're not accepting you, Lord? You want us to call down fire? Read the Bible. He says, you want us to call down fire? We'll do it for you. And I, it doesn't say this, but I can imagine Jesus going, no, Peter, we're not going to call down fire. Because we will, Jesus, for you. Peter was so zealous that when someone tried to touch Jesus at his time that he was supposed to go to the cross, he got a sword and cut a dude's ear off. <laughs> Jesus goes, Peter, what are you doing? I'm going to put that ear back in his ear. He was so zealous. Watch this. Sometimes... We're zealous, but the Lord never told us to do it. Sometimes we do things in the name of the Lord, but it's not the Lord. Peter goes, if this is you, bid me to come. I'm telling you, it's like slow motion. I could imagine. This is my imagination. Jesus going like this. Peter, there's times where you put your foot in your mouth, and that was not me. Peter, there was a time that I told you to stay, and you went. And you went ahead of me. That was not me. But this time, it's not your zeal. And it's not your emotions. It's me. Come. Game over. When you have the voice of the Lord during the midst of suffering, that voice will sustain you. Why? Because his voice cannot return void to him. So if he speaks something, he's going to get it to pass. 
And then he started walking on water. That's when his faith started. But he had the backing of the voice of the Lord. Can I just be real honest? I have a lot more faith to walk on water if Jesus told me I could do it. Like, hey, can I do it? Yes, you can. It's actually me. It's not you. I, I could come to you. Yeah, you could. I'm right there. Step out. I believe, this is my, my belief, I could be wrong, that if, G, if Peter would have stepped out, out of that boat in his own zeal to show the disciples, boys, what's wrong with you? Jesus is over there. Come on, let's go to him. I believe without the voice of the Lord, without the inquiry of the Lord, he would have, he would have drowned. That's why he asked. He asked. What did David do? He inquired of the Lord. Church, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. During the midst of his suffering, he said, what am I supposed to do? Now watch this. Leads me to my last point. The Lord says, go and pursue and attack the enemy. Don't just stay passively there. I want you to go back to the enemy's camp and take back what he took from you. Look at that last point. Put that last point on. How did David recover all? David got mad at the enemy, pursued the enemy, and struck down the enemy. Oh my God, no one's saying amen today. Man, I come to the wrong house today. Glory to God. David, he finally was led to the camp. Listen to me. You want to recover all? Sometimes you got to go to the enemy's camp. Spiritually speaking, in prayer. He could have just said, well, God's going to take everything, take care of everything for me. He goes, no, you're going to get this back by going back to the enemy's camp. Now, spiritually, what we do is we identify where he stole some and start releasing and bombarding heaven against the enemy. I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Listen to me. David went to the camp of the Amalekites. Look at this. He went to the camp of the Amalekites, and the Bible said he just stared for a moment. He stared at them, and he watched them dancing. <laughs> Look, we got, and, and this is my imagination. He's watching Abigail get, come over here. He's watching, he's watching uh, his, his wives and his, um, uh, all, all the all wives and concubines, his children, and they're being dragged, they're, they're dragging. He's watching that. Watch this. And he's allowing the zeal of the Lord to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And they're dragging his children. He's just staring, and they're just dancing. And the Bible says this. Then David attacked from twilight until evening into the next day not a man of them escaped except for 400 men that rode on camels <laughs> listen and when he did the bible says and david recovered all sometimes we got to go back to that old song i went to the enemy's camp remember that old song took back what he stole from me remember that sometimes we've got to have a strategy what is that speaking of in the spiritual realm here for you? The way to recover all is to grieve properly, not to get bitter, right? Not to get bitter. To continue to release and encourage yourself in the Lord. To speak the things that God has spoken to you. Now watch this. And to have spiritual warfare. Some of you need to start continuing to release your attack on the enemy instead of attacking God. And you need to be able to start getting this. Don't just be passive while the enemy is destroying your family. Start having a prayer meeting and attack that thing.
attack the thing that he is highlighting. Listen, watch this. I'm going to close with this. You want to have some prayer points? Highlight what the enemy's attack. If the enemy's attacking your marriage, raise up your voice for your marriage. If the enemy is attacking your children, don't be silent. Call your children's name out before the Lord. Call your name out. Call their name out. If you're, if you're the enemy's attacking your finances, watch this. Do the opposite to break his back and begin to give by faith, even when you're struggling. Continue to give in obedience and ask the Lord to give you strength. Sometimes you have to, listen, take authority over the devil. The church has lost the art of taking authority. We have to say no. Enough is enough. Take your hands off my child. There's one thing to say, Lord, help. Lord, help. Lord, help. I've been praying that for a long time. Now I have to shift to, Lord, I know you're helping, but devil, take your hand off my son. Do you understand the balance? Lord, help. Lord, help. Lord, help. Devil, take your hands off my son. You will not have my son anymore. Why for the Holy Spirit? You will not have my, gift, my, 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 my marriage anymore. You will not have that affliction anymore. We take authority and you must obey. The, David did not recover all by just watching the enemy. He went and attacked the enemy church. Do you understand it's time for the church to be aggressive in the things of God and not be passive? The violent take it by force. It's time to wake up and get back what the enemy stole from your family. Don't just be passive anymore. Take the sword of the Spirit and say, no more. You're not having my children. You're not having my spouse. I am going to be victorious and I'm going to recover all because I'm going to grieve properly. I'm going to not get bitter. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm going to speak the word of the Lord and I'm going to go to the enemy's camp and I'm going to take back what he stole. The Bible says he recovered everything that the enemy stole. Come on, everything means everything in the Greek. In the Hebrew, everything means all. So it's time to not be satisfied just because you're suffering. I'm not telling you that it's going to change tomorrow. But I am saying that you need to change your confession. I am telling you that you need to change the way you think. You need to change the way you look at things. And listen, I hear the Lord saying, some of your suffering has made you dull to spiritual warfare. You have become so passive. The enemy has beat you down so much that you've lost the art of the spiritual fight but it's time to grab the army of God it's time to grab the armor of God the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds what are those weapons prayer fasting intercession quoting the word come on you gotta lay hands on your children you gotta lay hands on your wife come on you gotta lay hands on your bills come on someone stand up for me Come on, it's time to recover all. Come on, it's time to recover all today. It's time to recover all. Some of you, you need to wake up. Wake up. Wake up from your... Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.